It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. This is episode 100. What a turning point. What a tremendous mile marker. And I told you we were going to do something special on this program for all our listeners. And that special thing is offering Who Am I? A book that brings forth the revelation of 52 names God has given his people for half price. If you call the office this week, that's 423 423- 478-2843 and get your copy of Who Am I for 50% off. I guarantee you, if you've been enjoying these messages, these episodes on the names and titles of God's people, you will enjoy Who Am I, dynamic declarations of who you are in Christ. It will change your life. I guarantee it. And today I'm going to be speaking on what I consider to be the most magnificent chapter in the book. And that's chapter 49 that brings forth the revelation of our calling to be the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Yes, you heard what I said. The general assembly and church of the firstborn. There is a phenomenal revelation associated with that particular calling. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 21, which are contrasted with verses 22 and 23. And verse 23 is actually where this title for God's people appears. But it's a comparison between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion, which is offering a contrast of the Old Covenant compared to the New Covenant. And I'll explain it more as we proceed. But first, I want to read the scripture. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, and that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure the thing that was commanded. And if so much as a beast should touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart or an arrow. And so fearful was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. And of course, this is a reference to the day when the fire of God enveloped Mount Sinai and the audible voice of God like thunder rolled across the desert plains as God gave the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, beginning with the statement, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods beside me. And then after the writer of Hebrews, which I believe to be Paul, said, you have not come to that mountain. He refers to the mountain we have come to. In verses 22 and 23, he says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, 
and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. And so he's comparing Old Covenant Israel in their role as servants of God, of whom obedience was demanded or severe consequences would result. So much so they trembled and said, we can't endure this word. But instead, he reveals that now your status is not that of trembling servants, but of sons in a loving relationship with a heavenly father, the father of time and eternity. We need to break this down and really see what God is saying. But I love the Jerusalem Bible rendering of that last verse. Instead of saying that you've come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, it makes it even more clear. It says you are a part of the whole church in which everyone is a firstborn son and a citizen of heaven. See, if you have been washed in the blood of Jesus, if you have been born again, if you are a recipient of the grace of God in a new covenant application to your life, then you are in an equal place with every other son and daughter of God. There, there's no high ground where some elite persons in the body of Christ stand. The ground is level at the cross. There's no big eyes. There's no little U's. We are all a part of the church of the firstborn or the church in which every member is considered to be a firstborn son. Also, I want you to notice that he said you have come to Mount Zion, which is the mountain of God's holiness from which Jesus will reign in the kingdom to come. You've come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. It did not say you will come. It said you have come. Because a child of God should have a heaven on earth existence. We experience a foretaste of heaven on our journey from time to eternity. The Bible says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places and we're partakers of a heavenly calling and we have received the heavenly gift. We get a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like. And we have come to an innumerable company of angels. You're not just protected and guarded by one angel. God has given his angels charge over you to bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And he has sent forth ministering spirits to minister to the heirs of salvation. While you are listening to this podcast, God may be confirming what I'm preaching by activating it in your life through the ministry of angels that are surrounding you right now. In fact, I pray that healing virtue will flow to you supernaturally and promises of God will be fulfilled and faith in your heart will be awakened and that angelic ministry will take place while I'm sharing this magnificent revelation. Now let's go back to the Old Testament and see something about 
the firstborn son status because it overflows into a revelation of what our status is as the church of the firstborn or the church in which every member is considered to be a firstborn son. One of the most remarkable things, one of the most intriguing things to me is that from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve onward, significant persons in the evolution of the plan of God almost always were the second choice, so to speak. In the patriarchal line, we'll see in just a moment, it was never the one who qualified in the flesh who occupied the firstborn son status, but the one that was chosen in the spirit. Get that in your thinking right now. It was not the ones who qualified in the flesh, but the ones who were chosen in the spirit. Starting with Cain and Abel. Cain was literally the firstborn son of Adam and Eve, but Abel occupied that position spiritually because the favor of God was upon him. Does that mean firstborn sons will never have any problems, opposition, or persecution? Well, I'm sure you can see the kind of opposition and persecution Abel received, not because of who he was, but because of what God did for him. You're hated in this world if you're one of those favored by God with this exceptional status. Then let's go to the patriarchal line. Abraham's first son, literally, physically, was Ishmael. But the one who received the firstborn son's status was Isaac. Then Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau was literally the firstborn son, but was passed over by God. And Jacob, the second son, received the firstborn son's status. And then Jacob had 12 sons. His firstborn, literally, physically, was Reuben, who was passed over because of a sin of fornication in his life. And it went to the 11th son, that was Joseph. Joseph then had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh was literally the firstborn son, but the firstborn son's status passed to Ephraim. Do you think God is trying to communicate a mystery to us by this repetitious way of things happening in the patriarchal line? I absolutely believe it is an unveiling of the essence of what God has done in our lives. I didn't qualify to be included in the family of God, much less qualifying to be in the church of the firstborn. I was quite the opposite, guilty of false religious practices, guilty of a lifestyle that was very opposite to the word of God. Now, some of you may have been good people and pure-hearted people and may have been in the truth from the time you were born into this world. You were raised in the truth, but many, many in the body of Christ would have been passed over, would have been rejected if it depended on our own works, but it is not of works lest any man should boast. We are firstborn sons, not because of our religious fervency, our religious devotion, our religious accomplishments, but we are firstborn sons because 
the grace, the unmerited love of God has been applied to our lives. Now, the firstborn son position in the Old Testament during that era involved a superior inheritance. Now, let this be underscored in your mind. It was called a double portion inheritance. However, it was not exactly twice as much as the other sons and daughters. It just meant a superior amount. And I guarantee you that the sons and daughters of God in the new covenant have received a superior inheritance. The Bible says we are heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. To be an heir of God means to inherit all that God is and all that God has. What a far-reaching statement. Because if you are an heir of God, you have inherited all that God is. God is love. God is joy. God is wisdom. God is knowledge. God is power. God is authority. All of that and much more has been funneled down into your life. And you have inherited all that God has in a universal sense. Because in the book of Revelation, toward the end of that book, it says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things. That reaches out and embraces the new creation to come. What an inheritance you've received, a superior inheritance. And every person in the body of Christ is a part of the church of the firstborn. So we've all received this superior inheritance. Now, what was Jesus's double portion inheritance when he walked in the world and in the world to come? I see it this way, and certainly this isn't the sum of it, but this is a very important part of it. I believe Jesus's double portion inheritance included the fact that he was, according to John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word made flesh. So he was the totality of the Word of God. He was the Word of God in motion. When the wind blew through his hair, it was leafing through the pages of Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. And then when the waves of Galilee crashed over his feet, in a sense, that water was soaking into the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the other books of the Old and New Testaments. Think of that. He was the Word made flesh. But according to John chapter 3, verse 34, he also had the spirit without measure. So his double portion inheritance was the word and the spirit in totality. Well, how does that relate to us? The Bible says that you have been begotten of the word of God that abides forever. And the Bible says that you have also received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And of his fullness have we all received, it says in John chapter 1. So you have been begotten of the Word and born of the Spirit. So you've been begotten of the fullness of the Word and born of the fullness of the Spirit. That's why I don't pray for people to receive a double portion of their anointing because I believe you've already reached the pinnacle of what you can inherit as a child of God. And there's other reasons that I believe that's phased out with the Old Testament 
time. Now, the firstborn son also inherited three roles, three primary roles, spiritually speaking. The firstborn son received the authority of the father, Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Joseph, Joseph to Ephraim. Whenever the father passed away, the authority passed to the one who occupied the firstborn status. Well, the authority role refers to our status as kings, spiritual kings ruling and reigning with him. Right now in this world, and in a spectacular sense in the world to come. But the firstborn son also had the right of intimacy with the God of Abraham, having access into his presence, having a connection with him spiritually, having a relationship with him that he opened the door to. And that speaks of the priesthood calling because the word priest comes from the Hebrew word kohen, which means one who has access into the presence of God or one who draws near. And then finally, the firstborn son would receive prophetic insights. The firstborn son would receive communication from God concerning what the family should do, where the Israelite people should go, what they should do in a battle, in a challenge, in a situation that was very overwhelming to them, the firstborn son would get a divine communication. That's the prophet status. So every firstborn son occupied the triune role of king, priest, prophet. King, priest, and prophet. Let me repeat that. Every firstborn son in the patriarchal line occupied the role of king, priest, and prophet. That has overflowed in a spiritual sense into the life of every born-again child of the Almighty God. You are kings. He has made us kings, given thanks unto him, who's washed us in his blood and has made us kings and priests, and we shall reign with him. That's right in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. So why could I refer to myself as a king? How could you refer to yourself as a king? Well, a king is one who is enthroned and who reigns. And the Bible says you and I are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. He said, he who overcomes shall sit with me in my throne. That means we occupy a position of authority and power and dominion right here in this present world. We reign over the arch enemies of the human race by the grace of God, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the word of God. We conquer sin. We conquer the lower nature. We conquer the world system. We conquer the devil and all his demonic underlings. We conquer every plot and plan and dangerous thing that comes our way. God redeems us from it all. We're reigning with him as kings, but we also are referred to as a holy priesthood and a royal priesthood because we have access into the throne room of the Almighty God to commune with him, to be intimate with him. And the Bible clearly says that you can all prophesy. Prophecy is on many levels. The foundational level is declaring the word under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
And then there's higher levels where you get direct prophetic communications, living word, rhema word communications that you share with others, prophetic dreams, prophetic visions. Not all may receive that, but we can all on one of several levels function in a prophetic role. So you and I, as the church of the firstborn, are king, priest, prophets. Did you hear that? You are a king, priest, prophet. You begin to see yourself that way, and that's when you begin to function that way in this world. Hallelujah. That's absolutely amazing. Now, Jesus, of course, had his double portion of the Word and the Spirit, and that's why he was called the firstborn among many brothers, the firstborn of all creation, and the firstborn from the dead. And so, because we have been made in his image, we too are the church of the firstborn. And remember, that title begins with the words, the general assembly and church of the firstborn, because it embraces every child of God, every blood-washed son or daughter of the Almighty God is a part of the general assembly. There's not an elite group that will receive an eternal inheritance that is so much better than anyone else. Now, there will be degrees of reward, but I guarantee you heaven will be heaven for all of us in an amazing sense. Now, I have one last scripture I'm going to share that refers to the double portion inheritance, and I love it. It's just a a powerful and intriguing scripture and a wonderful way to end Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7 says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, speaking of a heavenly land to come, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. So what does that mean? I believe it means that if you had never faced the world with all its sorrow and woe, if somehow God had just created us in a heavenly state, never having passed through this place of pain, we certainly would have had joy. We certainly would have experienced freedom and love and peace. But I believe because we have experienced the opposite, because we have gone through confusion and shame, then God's love and forgiveness and acceptance and righteousness will be doubly important to us and doubly appreciated. See, we'll receive a double portion because of our shame, because of our confusion, because of the degradation of walking in this lower nature that we've had to battle our whole lives to subdue it, And to overcome it, we will appreciate all the more the higher nature, the divine nature that will be expressed in perfection in us at the resurrection when the saints of God are glorified. Then total joy will be yours. Total peace that passes understanding, joy that is unspeakable, and love that surpasses knowledge. You are the church of the firstborn. Now, don't forget, because this is the hundredth, the one hundredth episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity, I am offering this book, 
Who am I? Dynamic declarations of who you are in Christ for half price. Normally it's $15. I offer it to you for $7.50 plus shipping and handling if you call our office this coming week. And that's 423-478-2843. Let me repeat it. 423-478-2843. And if you can't write it down right now, all you have to do is go to our website to get that information. But call and someone will uh, process your order and give you 50% off on this book that will change your life forever because chapter 49 is on the church of the firstborn as the book comes to a climax. I, I teach on what our status is as heirs of the kingdom, what our status is as the heavenly, and many other titles and names that refer to our eternal inheritance. The whole book will change your life, I guarantee you. And it's 52 chapters long. You can use the book as a weekly devotional or a Bible study. And very soon we'll have a Bible study outline that you can utilize for home prayer groups and the like. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Consider this truth. Let it be enshrined in your mind the rest of your life. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.